Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a training camp edition of Chargers Weekly. A bit later, NFL Network's Jim Trotter touches on a variety of topics related to the Chargers and the AFC West. Plus, why context matters in training camp. But first, ESPN's Eric Williams joins me to recap the preseason opener against the Cardinals. We also look ahead to this Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. All right, here with a recurring guest, friend of the program, but I believe making his training camp debut in 2018. That's true. That's right, right? Yeah, that's correct. Eric Williams, ESPN, joins me. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm doing awesome. I see you every day, but you know, it's, it's like we're, we're doing this for the that's first right. time. We're getting reacquainted yes. on the mic here. Well, listen, we've had two practices this week already. We're taping this on a Tuesday, but let's go back to Saturday. I want to get your observations and your, your takeaways from what you saw against the Cardinals. Yeah. I think the one thing that really stood out to me was the way that second unit played defensively, just the energy level, their ability to pursue sideline to sideline. Some of those rookies that, you know, Gus Bradley kind of talked about when they drafted them, the Chenna, Nuosu, Kaiser White, Derwin James, obviously. That trio. That trio and what they were able to bring to the second level of the defense. And Anthony mentioned that the, the front four played well and also the back end. I just think that group as a whole – uh, brought a lot of energy and, and really just kind of stuffed that Arizona offense. I think they gave up just three points and three quarters. 0 for 11 on third down the Cardinals 11, offense was. Yeah, and, and a little over 100 yards maybe in, in three quarters. Uh, so very impressed with that. Kicking game, still haven't figured that out. Mm. You know, Caleb Sturridge just one for two. I think he missed a 41-yarder, if I remember correctly, or was it the 45-yarder that he missed? He made the 45. I think he missed the 41 missed the wide 41 left. 41 wide left, and it, and it wasn't close. Um, so you just you want to see Caleb get a little more confident because you don't want them to go through the same thing that they went through last year. Or if it's going to be Roberto, let's figure that out. Yeah, get but him you, out there and see if he can make some kicks. Get him out there, see. you know. But you, you got to figure that out. You can't go through a second straight season of not having stability at that position because it really cost you last year. And then I think in terms of the quarterback position, for me, Geno is the one that stood out. I think he looked like an NFL quarterback. You know, he has over 20 starts, so you know the experience is there. And I think right now you probably feel a little bit more comfortable with Geno as your number two versus Cardell. Although, you know, Coach Wisenhunt said today that, you know, still a lot of time still left. Early. It's still early. But you need to see Cardell get a little more comfortable in the system and start making more accurate throws on a regular basis. You know, starting with that defense, Kaiser White played over 70% of the snaps. I think he had 39 snaps. Mm-hmm. And Derwin and Uchenna were right around that 50% mark. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting in the locker room, all three of those guys said the speed of the game was slow for them. And, yeah. and they weren't surprised by anything, and, and they were comfortable there. And on one hand, I like that. Yeah. On the other hand, it's only week one of the preseason. And, you know, the guys that you saw in Arizona, they're not going to be – Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Kareem Hunt, Patrick Mahomes in week one. So I, I like that confidence, but yeah. I, I do want to see them against the ones that we'll probably see probably at some point in weeks two and three. Yeah, I like the swag. You have to have confidence in order to be successful in this league. So you, you like that part of it, but you're right. Pretty vanilla from what you saw from Arizona in terms of scheme. And then personnel is going to be a whole lot different. So you're talking about game. some of those guys that they're going to be running out there Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos, you know, in terms of the talent. So um, it's a good start, but, you know, let's see Russell Wilson running around. Are you going to be able to catch that dude in week two? You know, week three, Drew Brees, 
He throws dimes. Yeah. That's, that's a little different now. That's not Josh Rosen back there. But that's what you <laughs> want to see, Eric, right? That's, I, I want to see those guys against sure. Russell Wilson, against Drew Brees, because that's more of a barometer of what you're going to see in the regular season. On a week-to-week basis, correct. And so, again, you like the confidence, like that they got out there and, and got their feet wet and, and feel pretty good about how they played. But, again, it's going to be ratcheted up these next couple weeks. And, you know, they're dinged up a little bit, too. Are they going to be able to get on the field and play like they played in those situations? Chenna, I thought, was really impressive. Rushing the passer, he had a couple of quarterback hits. I believe he had a sack. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one sequence where I joked with him. Him and Hayes hit Rosen like it was Pac-12 all <laughs> over again. Um, who impressed you the most if you had to pick one of the rooks? Out of those three, I probably probably a Chenna. Yeah. You know, because of what he was able to bring to the table, both as a pass rusher and as a run defender. Um, just seemed like he was all over the place. If he wasn't making the tackle, he was nearby and kind of adding on in the pile. And so, again, I, I like the kind of attitude that he played with. Again, you know, having covered the Seahawks for six seasons before I came down here, the way they played reminded me a lot of what I saw in Seattle in 2011-2012 when you were able to add a K.J. Wright and, and a Bobby Wagner to that defense and, and how they played, the length, the, the speed in which they play. Cam Chancellor, obviously, is another guy that plays the second level of the defense that, again, is a guy that can run and react. That defense continues to have a chip on their shoulder. They do play with a little bit of swag, to take your word earlier. Brandon Faison, when he had that interception, all those guys run to the end zone still. It doesn't matter if it's Casey Hayward doing it or an undrafted rookie from Virginia Tech. All of those guys, you could tell, have a bond that has carried over into the preseason. Yeah, I've had a chance to talk to a number of the defensive backs about that. They're calling themselves the Jack Boys Boys, because they they take the ball away. We'll see if that sticks. Um, But you, you like the brotherhood and the fact that they do trust each other, care for each other. You need that in football in order to have the type of chemistry that you need to be successful. So I don't mind them going down and and taking the photo in the end zone after a big play. The referees might mind. They might have to watch that because you don't want to get a penalty because of it. Um, But I think it does kind of build camaraderie on that side of the football. And, you know, defense, you're always at a disadvantage anyway, so you're looking for any edge you can get in order to kind of, you know, meet those those matchups that you're going to face offensively, as we mentioned, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, those types of players. Listen, offensively, no Phillip Rivers in there. That's going to change a lot of what or how the offense is going to function. Mm-hmm. But Austin Eckler, for me, that second quarter, 64 total yards. He had two big splash plays, that 20-yard rush, that 39-yard reception. Yep. He continues to make plays, and he's been doing it all training camp, Eric. It's crazy how much more comfortable he looks this year compared to last year. I think this year it's like, okay, I belong. Now I'm just going to go out and play and do, make the plays that I, I know I can make. Um, so, yeah, much more confident, and that's going to help their offense. You know, you have another playmaker that can go out there and, and create for you. The, where I like Austin is is, is what they, they had in Danny a couple years ago. Phillips always had that guy. Yeah, Sproles. We kind of talked yeah, about we it did. when we were on the sideline. A guy in a compact area space, you know, inside the red zone or on third down when you need a, to convert – throw it out in space he's going to make a guy miss and he's going to make a play because he's so quick not only can he be elusive and juke a guy he can run over a guy he's probably pound for pound the strongest guy on, on this roster yeah. so you, you like that and then i like the trez newsom what he was able to add in the fourth quarter 
looked pretty good. He did look pretty good. And, you know, we saw Justin Jackson back at practice here mm-hmm. on Tuesday. That third running back is going to be interesting over the next few weeks. Yeah, and and, and don't count out Russell Hansborough. He's no, guy he that played well too. Solid lunch pill guy. He's been great in pass pro when you watch him one-on-one, and, and he knows the system and, and, is a, and is a hard runner. So those three guys are really competing, I think, for one spot, and it's going to be interesting in the next three preseason games to see how – uh, which one of those three is able to continue to kind of stand out because I think it's going to be a, an interesting competition to watch. The name that we have said seemingly every day here is Mike Williams. Today he had another – he has these catches that just get you really excited for what <laughs> could translate into the game. Just two catches, 18 yards, I believe, on Saturday. Yeah. When, when Phillip's in there, I think we may see the real Mike Williams. But, again, Eric, he just keeps stacking productive days out here. We want to see it in the games too. Yeah. You know, we were watching one-on-ones out here, and he made – Made a pretty amazing catch where had Mager draped on him, but he's still able to go out and make the play. Mager was probably the best coverage you could possibly have on a yeah, guy. Yeah, and he goes out and makes it. I mean, but that's the kind of, of talent that they drafted when they drafted him in the first round. You're finally, finally able to see it because he's healthy. He's not worried about his back or his legs. He can just go out there and run his route, get open like he knows he can. And, and make plays and the confidence is there. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think Phillip's going to kind of feed in the ball just to see what he can do to really start developing that rapport. So when the regular season hits, he's ready to go. I thought it was a pretty spirited practice today. It was closed to the public, uh, but even before the 11-on-11 period, the uh, wide receivers and the defensive backs were going back and forth. Keenan won one match against Casey, yeah. vice versa. Mike had a lot of uh, big plays, and yeah. they were they were chirping a little bit as well. Artavis Scott had a, a big play there at the end he on, did. on a deep ball. There was some wolfing going on. <laughs> <laughs> and you like that, though. You, you do like You that. want the competition because it kind of ratcheted the intensity level up. And you had that on one side and then on the other side you had one-on-ones with linebackers matching up with tight ends and 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 running backs and and to me a guy that looked good which is they need is Sean Colkin. Yeah. He made a couple plays there in one-on-ones. I think the light bulb was finally coming on for him. A guy that Coach Wiz said has the physical tools. He just needs to get the reps and get confidence going mentally. Made a couple catches uh, in the game against the Cardinals. Had the one fumble where he just needed to protect the ball a little bit. But uh, the one thing that Wiz mentioned is that in the run game, He's getting those seal blocks and, and is doing a nice job in terms of the physical part of the position. Yeah, not only Colkin, Coach Lynn, I believe, acknowledged Virgil Green for the way yeah. he played on Saturday as well. But in the passing game, you want to see those drops eliminated. Yeah. But Colkin was the guy that I saw as, as someone who flashed and could potentially you know, carry that role into the regular season. Yeah, five drops from my count. And again, I'm a former receiver, so I'm probably a little tougher than most. Um, but you can't Very have strict that. rating, Eric. Very strict. <laughs> uh, you you got to catch the ball if the ball's thrown to you. That's just the way it is. If it touches your hand, you probably should get it, even if it's you know up on you close your receiver you're expected to make those those tough catches that's what you're getting paid for but yeah I think out of all those guys Colkin probably uh, had the best game in terms of the passing game Green obviously in the run game is kind of what he was advertised for when they brought him in guy that's going to go out there and, and be able to just you know bowl guys over create rushing lanes for Mel. Finally Eric we have practice all week this week before Seattle on Saturday what else are you looking for what are you keeping your eye on this week that could potentially carry over into week two? Well, I think a couple of different things. I think playing at home, you want to see um, them be comfortable and the enthusiasm be there in terms of getting the fans going. I think that's one of the things that maybe was an issue going into the stub up because they'd never played there before. So I think those first three games, they were overwhelmed a little bit by the presence of the opposing fans. So you just want them to see them be comfortable and kind of make 
the stub hub their home, which I think they did the second half of the season. Um, I think you want to see Phillip get in there and, and just do what he does, you know, complete a couple passes, get comfortable. You know, Coach Wiz mentioned the fact that he's going to be getting snaps from Pouncey in a game for the first time, so you want to make sure that center quarterback exchange is solid and that he's getting the ball every time. Um, and, and that's what we saw. Sorry to interrupt. Yep. That's what we saw from Phillip last year. Very efficient in and out. That first game, I think it was the first ever touchdown of StubHub Center was was Rivers the Gates. Yeah. And then I, I go back to week three. I want to say it was against the Rams. Yep. He just up and down the field. You, you saw what you needed to see from Phillip. You got out of there healthy. Yes, and that's you, exactly that. You don't you don't want to see any seven step drops where he might get hit. I wouldn't probably want to see that. It'd be three step. Get the ball out quickly get a couple first downs if you score great if you don't you know you probably seen enough because you still need to evaluate the backup QB position um, the offensive line I want to still see those guys develop in some chemistry and, and get that running game going a little bit sure uh, particularly with Melvin and I think Melvin I think would, would say that he'd like to have some more explosive plays particularly in the first half of the season where they struggled running the football a little bit so I'll be watching that and then um, just the rookies continuing to develop you know derwin james continuing to develop as a pro get him more snaps get him more comfortable uh man i should mention that the run defense because the the first group struggled a little yeah. bit defending the run got yeah. gashed a couple the times thing. david, David johnson, johnson listen he's an all pro he had a pair of 14 yard rushes in that that first drive uh you want to try to clean that up especially yeah. especially coming into to week two where I don't know who's going to be, Rashad Penny, Chris Carson maybe? Carson's been the guy up there, everybody I've talked to that everybody's excited about. Certainly they're excited about Penny as well. Um, a guy, uh, Brock Heward, that does their radio broadcast, yeah. compared Penny to Sean Alexander, and you can see that in terms of his running style. So we'll see Penny a little bit, but Kaysen's the guy that they're excited about up there, and that'll be a good test for this defense. You know, that was a point of emphasis during the offseason for Gus Bradley is getting better in terms of run defense. We didn't see that against Arizona. We need to see that against yep. Seahawks. Eric, you're the best. Got to give the people what they want. Don't make it too long in between appearances here on Chargers <laughs> Weekly, all right? Hey, whenever I'm asked, I come on. Thanks, buddy. Yep. The Chargers' new home, L.A. Stadium at Hollywood Park, is taking shape. And fans, this is your chance to get in on the action that starts in 2020. The stadium experience, indoor-outdoor design, and world-class amenities are all groundbreaking, along with the see-through roof and 70,000 square foot dual-sided video board. The new LA Stadium speaks to what it means to be an Angelino and your Los Angeles Chargers want you to be part of it all. Visit fightforla.com. That's fightforla.com today for more information. All right, welcome back to Chargers Weekly. It's my great pleasure to welcome in NFL Network's Jim Trotter. Jim, always appreciate your time, sir. How you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, Jim, it was great catching up in Arizona at the Chargers preseason opener. Week one, finally in the books. And for all 32 NFL teams, not the prettiest of football in early August. Turnovers, penalties, you get different guys coming in and out of the game. What do you take away from this part of the season as someone who's covered this league for as long as you have? Uh, for me, it's just, you know, it, it, it's a chance to see young guys, um, particularly rookies and and higher draft picks who are expected to contribute to see where they're at in their development and whether or not you know you can try and anticipate whether they'll have some sort of impact for you so um, let's be honest here by the time you get to the fourth quarter and you've got you know undrafted guys and and, um, even some veterans who who you know you might not know who have been around for several years trying to make a squad that sort of thing you really don't know those guys very well. And, and it's tough to really gauge them based on who they're playing against as well. So for me, 
I look at young guys who, who potentially could have an impact during the year and, and, um, and try and learn from that. And I also look at, you know, when you look at teams, um, we talk about strengths and weaknesses going into a camp and you try and see how, how clubs look in those areas, uh, particularly with their ones or twos in. You know, Coach Lynn on Monday after practice really complimented the, the Chargers' second-team defense. You got a chance to see them up close, Jim. The Cardinals were 0 for 11 on third down on Saturday night, and the trio of rookies that the Chargers drafted, Uchenna Nuosu, Darwin James, Kaiser White, they're in the game for quite a bit of time. What were your impressions of those guys, seeing them in their NFL debuts? They're talented. Um, you know, now look, I, I'm not one to overreact to the preseason, but I think you, you do give credit. I thought, you know, they shut them down well after the first drive. Um, you know, I thought Arizona with David Johnson, obviously coming out of the gate, he ran the ball well um, in the short time that he was in there. But uh, when the twos got in, I thought um, they did a nice job. And that's good because, again, guys like Derwin James are expected to contribute. So um, it's nice to see them do th- some things well, and to also build some confidence, you know, for that next game, because it only gets harder. I, I mean, I, I know folks, I know folks love to look at a preseason opener and, and it always makes me laugh when I hear people start making predictions based off of week one of a preseason about how a team is going to play or a guy is going to play. The one thing I learned a long time ago, especially as it relates to veterans is they use training camp to work on their weaknesses. And, and I'll tell you a quick story. Remember one year I was covering the Chargers and they had signed um, Ryan McNeil, cornerback in free agency. And I'm early into my career as a beat writer, so I'm, I'm still learning the ropes. And so I'm watching him in camp and he just looks awful. I mean, it's like he can't cover anyone. And I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm thinking, okay, I got to write something on this. They just spent a bunch of money on this guy and it's an important position for him. And he's really struggling out here. And then I had some of the veterans tell me, sit tight. This is when we work on our weaknesses. This is where we try and work on things that once we get to the season, hopefully um, any deficiencies that we have, you know, we, we've erased. And that year, Ryan McNeil went out and led the league in interceptions. So, you know, those veterans saved me from having egg on my face. But um, that's why I don't overreact to a lot of things that I see in the preseason. Um, like everyone else, I wait for week three. That's really an important week because you get the, the dress rehearsal, so to speak. But for right now, you just try and see if guys, if the stage is too big for them with young guys more than anything. Do they have, you know, um, deer in the headlights type eyes? And none of those Charger rookies or young guys had that. It's such a fascinating story, Jim, because, you know, we, we watch practice every single day. And sometimes we don't know what these guys are actually working on. They could be working on a new technique. They could be working on things that, that are weaknesses. And you see somebody get burnt in camp. You're about to write a story, but that's really not what you think it is. Nope. And you look, I'm just telling you, you've got to be really careful with that. And again, I, you know, I, I just, I, for me, it's kind of fascinating to see how coverage of the league has evolved to where now, you know, we're charting every throw in practice. Did he complete it or did he not? Yeah. You know, um, how many yards was it for all these types of things that I'm saying in the, in the grand scheme of things, you might see it. You might see or learn a little something from that, but not enough to where you feel where it's really going to make a dramatic difference in terms of what may happen during the season. So, it's just that there's such an insatiable appetite for this game and for information, and that fans hang on all of this. That I just think sometimes we as reporters we put ourselves in difficult positions because 
you know, I thought Kyle Shanahan said it best um, this week when he talked about Richard Sherman getting beaten badly on a route. And, and he said, um, what people don't understand is, again, sort of what I related to you, that Richard's working on certain things right now. And you don't know if he would have had help on that play. He might have played it differently um, or he might have used a different technique or a different leverage point, all these different things. But but everybody wants to, to be the, you know, the first to say, I saw this or you know, to make this prediction. And I don't think it helps us, you know, in, in, in our jobs. And I think in some ways it does a great disservice to the players. Uh, we'll learn what we need to learn in time, but we don't have to be in a rush to get there. 100% in context means a lot. Not many people are going to use press coverage on Marquise Goodwin anyway, right? I mean, <laughs> Richard Sherman was, was working Correct. on some, I guess, the fastest guy in the league. Exactly. And and that's why I thought it was great that Kyle took the time as a head coach to explain what it meant and why you shouldn't overreact from it, knowing that Richard's coming off an Achilles injury. And so everyone is watching to see if he's still the same player or not. Um, that's why I thought it was fascinating. Um, and I thought it was so positive. And truthfully, I wish more coaches would take the time to try and educate the media on things that are going on. There was a point when, when I was a beat writer and I remember that, for instance, um, some of the coaches would call us in and let us actually sit down and watch some tape with it and explain to us exactly what they're trying to accomplish in certain situations so that when we go out and we're sort of the conduit to, to the public, we can better explain to fans exactly what was going on or what the thought process was on something as opposed to us sitting back and playing armchair quarterbacks and, and, and trying to, to get inside the head of a player or a coach without really knowing what was expected on a given play. Jim, very few know the AFC West like you do. It may be the most fascinating division in football this year just because of all the new faces, whether it's on the coaching staffs or under center. Uh, what intrigues you most about the AFC West as we enter the 2018 season? Oh, there are so many things. Um, I mean, let's start with the Chargers, number one. They've got so much talent. And and the question in my mind, can they finally get over that hump, particularly if they stay healthy? There really aren't many deficiencies on this club when you look at it. You've got a franchise quarterback. You've got a defense that should be one of the best in the league. You've got two premier edge rushers over there. You've got a secondary that's very deep. Um, so there's no reason that this defense shouldn't be one of the best in the league. And offensively, outside of, say, the tight end position, I don't know that there is a question about this group. So um, I love everything about this team. So I, in my mind, I ask myself, is this the year that it can finally get over the hump? You know, you go up the coast and you've got the Raiders up there with Gruden. You know, how is that whole thing going to play out in year one under Gruden? Is Khalil Mack ever going to get signed if he does? You know, will it matter with him having a late arrival? All those sorts of things. Um, you know, Kansas City, you change over from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. Um, you lose some other guys. Uh, is this sort of a, a rebuild or reload year for them? Um, or do they continue on um, as they've played in the past and do well there? Uh, and, I, you know, you just keep going from there. And, and um, But in my mind, I think, you know, in Denver, Case Keenum's there now. Um, how is he going to play with last year? What was it a flash in the pan in terms of what he did with the Vikings? Can that defense get back to where it was during its Super Bowl year? You know, with Von Miller now um, Chubb there, and will Shane Ray step up and play? How do they play with losing a keep to leap? So many things, you know, that that um, it's just fascinating to watch, and it's just one of uh, one of several divisions, in my opinion, that 
that's loaded, and you could see in, in any of the teams coming out of it. Jim, I want to dig into the Chiefs just for a minute. They're the Chargers' week one opponent. They're the back-to-back division champs. They've beaten the Chargers eight straight times, and there are yeah. a lot of expectations for quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Several people I've talked to this offseason rave about the guy and what he could become in this league. How much of a learning curve do you think he's going to have knowing that few scheme things up as good as Andy Reid? No, he's going to have a learning curve without a doubt about it. Most, if not, I'm not going to say all, there are some who defy that, but um, he will have a learning curve. And and the other thing here we have to remember too, um, there have been some other changes on that club. If you look um, in terms of guys who are gone. So defensively, a, a young quarterback's best friend is a, is a running game. I would say second to that or one B to that is a talented defense. And they've made a lot of changes on that side of the ball. So, you know, um, that determines sometimes how you play. If you have a defense that can shut people down, you don't have to take as many chances. You don't have to open up the offense. Um, with Mahomes, if that defense isn't as good as it was in years past, now maybe you do have to open it up more and you take more chances with a young quarterback, which is difficult. Look, no, there's no question that he has a tremendous amount of talent. There's no question they're extremely excited about him. They were a year ago. But he is a young quarterback, and he is going to have some growing pains at some point. You know, the thing about Kansas City, though, as you said, the Chargers losing eight straight. You know, I went out there last year to that game in Kansas City with the thought process, if the Chargers win that, I thought they were going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the, there's just something about them playing the Chiefs, and I don't know what it is, um, and particularly in Arrowhead Stadium, that they struggle with. And again, that's one of those storylines when I talk about can they get over the hump. Um, I think we'll learn a lot in that game. I don't care uh, uh, what phase the Chiefs are in in terms of whether it's rebuild or reload. Um, that's always a tough game for the Chargers, and, and, and I think that that's going to be a tone setter for the season. I, yeah, I was just going to say, it's absolutely a tone setter. And I'm just fascinated by Patrick Mahomes in his second career start going up against this Gus Bradley defense. And, you know, you wonder who has the advantage, right? You know, we haven't seen much from Patrick Mahomes as far as what he can do in the NFL and, you know, different plays. I'm sure Andy Reid's going to have ready to go, similar to what he did in New England in week one. But at the same time, when you have guys like Bosa and Ingram pin their ears back and you got a secondary to match, I think it's going to be a challenge. And, you know, again, we're we're a month away from this, but I think that's on the front of everybody's minds here in Los Angeles. No, in, in my opinion, if you're asking me, do I want to take a talented veteran defense against a young quarterback making only a second pro start? I think I'll take the defense. <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe, maybe the defense. Jim, as far as the Raiders and Broncos are concerned, I kind of lump them in the same category. I think they're both – just ultimate wildcard teams. You have the the Raiders that were 6-10 and 10 last year, 12-4 and four the year before. Broncos, a few years removed from a Super Bowl. You know, Chris Harris Jr. still there. Von Miller's still there. Really a revamped defense, or offense rather, with Case Keenum under center. You still got Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. Can both of these teams make the playoffs this year? What's your read on both Denver and Oakland? Oh, can they? Sure they can. Um, will they? That's a, that's a different question. Um, look, I, I, I think they're both extremely talented, and, I, and I, I think they have the personnel to make a run for the playoffs. Um, but as you said, it, it's such a deep division. Um, so much, to me, is going to come down to health. Um, the team that stays healthy, obviously, I think is going to have a tremendous advantage. But 
both of those teams, you know, the Broncos really believe that, that their biggest issue last year was quarterback play. Um, they just couldn't get any quality quarterback play. And look, John Elway has not hit on a quarterback since Peyton Manning. And we know that Peyton wasn't the Peyton of old, but he was good enough that with that defense, as I was talking about earlier, a defense complimenting a quarterback who may not be um, um, at his best, uh, they were able to play more of a controlled game, run the ball, control the clock, you know, win it at the end when they have to. Um, this year, I think that, that the Broncos could be that again, it, particularly if Chubb and Ray and Vaughn are able to, to put the pressure um, on opposing offenses that I think they will be able to do. Um, the question is offensively, will they be able to run the ball now? They like the rookie a lot. Mm. Um, and will Case be able to have the type of year that he had a year ago? And, and so far, by all accounts in camp, he has looked very, very good. Um, but again, we just don't know. And again, like I say, in Oakland, th- there's talent there. Um, they're really excited about their young guys. I know Khalil isn't there, but defensively, they really like Arden Key, you know, the rookie out of LSU. They really like Hurst um, in the middle. They feel that he's doing some things. And so they know that even if Khalil isn't there, that they're going to have to scheme up pressure. And, and Gruden really likes Gunther and believes that he will be able to do that. So to me, that's going to be the key for that unit because offensively they have the, they have the personnel to score points. Um, Gruden is really excited about Amari Cooper who came back um, heavier than a year ago, but didn't lose any speed or quickness from it. And one thing John is going to do with him is he's going to move him around a lot. So you won't see him in a, in a, in a static position. Um, you're going to have to cover him all over the field and you get a veteran like Jordy Nelson who, by all accounts from folks up in Oakland, um, has not lost anything. Uh, you put him in there, and now you know they've got the young tight end, and they also feel that they have um, several guys who are battling for the third receiver position who could do some things for them. So offensively, also in the backfield, what are they going to get from Marshawn? None of us really knows, but mm-hmm. I do know this. I'm talking to their coaches last week. They feel that, that Doug Martin has really looked fresh in camp. So... I think you're going to see a lot of Doug Martin as well as as Marshawn in that. Um, Gruden does like to run the ball. We know that um, in addition to his West Coast passing. So, you know, I'm rambling here a little bit because I'm, I'm just saying to you, I, I could see any of these teams under the right circumstances making a run for the division. Of course. Um, and that's what makes this year so fun. So much intrigue in the West, Jim. And I'll get you out of here on this. Is this the year where we see a bit of a power shift in the AFC, and you know, we always start the conversation, rightfully so, with the Patriots and the Steelers. But there's a few other teams on the rise here. I think you could make an argument that the Chargers could take that next step. Uh, I think a few teams in the AFC South. You know, you talk about Houston and Tennessee, of course, Jacksonville, what they did last year. Is this the year that we start to see a few teams maybe catch up a little bit to New England and Pittsburgh? Um, sure, you could see that. I, I mean, we saw it in the playoffs last year. With- with the Jaguars going to the AFC championship game. So that's a big first step for them. Um, But look, the reality is the Patriots, I don't see any way that they don't win that division again. And we all know the easiest route to the playoffs is by winning your division. So we know new England will be there. And it's kind of like that thing, you know, you are the champ until someone defeats you and no one in the AFC has shown that they can consistently um, match up with the Patriots when when we get to the playoffs. So until that happens, I guess I'll say that I'll, I'll say that New England, in my opinion, is still the favorite. But absolutely, I see teams um, that can go in this year and and possibly come out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. 
Um, it, and that's what makes the NFL so fun is that, you know, um, we always talk about parody and, and that sort of thing. And I realize that when you're talking about a New England, you don't have actual parody when you have one club from a conference is dominating so much, but I do believe we're getting to that point. I do believe some of these young teams that, that for years have been drafting up high, they're starting to see the fruits of, of, of those bad seasons. Um, they've got some good personnel. So, um, I think Baltimore is going to be a surprise too. I know it's a veteran club this year, but they have finally put some weapons around, uh, Joe Flacco. And you talk to folks out there about how, you know, John Brown is looking at that offense Crabtree. Um, you know, these guys, I think that Baltimore is not going to be a team that you should overlook in this thing as well. And we know defensively they played well last season. They just didn't have an offense to go with it. So I, I could see, I could see any number of team at the end of the year, if, it, if it's healthy um, and has a little momentum that could do some things. And uh, I'm excited about it. You know, I, I really am. I think it's going to be a wide open year. And I think that that is going to generate a lot of excitement among fans. Can't wait till September, Jim. What do you got going on at NFL Network? You got some uh, training camp practices you're attending here over the next couple of weeks? Actually, I'm going to stop in and see you guys on Wednesday. Oh, nice. And, um, trying to think what else is going on. Just hitting a few games here and there. I got some other projects I'm working on for the start of the season and um, just ready to get going like everybody else. Awesome, man. Well, hey, always appreciate your time. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday and um, we'll catch up with you very soon here, Jim. Thanks again for the time. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it. A big thanks to Jim Trotter and Eric Williams for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Remember, find us on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode of Chargers Weekly. Until next time, I'm Chris Harey.